morning, Lord, on the first day of the week. We thank you, Father, for the remembrance of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that the Holy Eternal Son of God came down to this world, that he gave his life for us. We thank you, Father, for the redemption that he purchased, Lord, for us by giving his life as a propitiation for our sin, paying the penalty for our sin there upon the cross of Calvary. Lord, what a blessed people we are that you would send your only begotten son to die for us. And we, what a blessed people we are, Father, that you give us the strength, Lord, to live for you each day that you have given us your word to live by, to direct our lives, our steps. Lord, as we come together for a few moments to sit before thy word, we pray, Lord, for the leading of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, for the filling of your Holy Spirit, Father. We pray that as I speak these words, Father, that they might be from you, Lord, as we expound upon your word, Father. We pray for each soul and each each person seated here, Lord, that our hearts may be prepared to receive the word, that we may examine where we stand in our walk with thee, Lord, so that we may be drawn closer to thee, so that we may be convicted, Lord, so that your word, which is good for reproof and correction, so that the man of righteousness might be built up, Lord, that it might build us up. Father, we commit ourselves to your hands, asking these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we've been uh, going through the book of Ephesians for many months now. And uh, we are coming to the very end of the... uh, of the epistle here, and this is of course a very doctrinal epistle. You know, the Apostle Paul presents the doctrine in two parts. In the first part, it's if you take the book of Ephesians, you can divide it up into, uh, you know, there are six chapters there, you can divide it up into two parts. There's the first part, which is the first three uh, chapters, and the second part, which is chapters 4, 5, and 6. And in the first three chapters, he talks about the doctrine of uh, who we are in Christ, about our status, our standing in Him. And then the chapters 4, 5, and 6, the second half of the book, he talks about the doctrine of how as believers, as children of God, as those who are in Christ, how we are to walk. And uh, we've seen that it's, uh, it's written to believers who did not really have a very full, or perhaps they had lost sight of the understanding of the spiritual resources that they had at their disposal, and this was perhaps evidencing itself in their walk with the Lord, that they were not quite walking with the Lord in the way that they should, and they were in a state of spiritual malnourishment. And therefore, the Apostle Paul, he starts off in the first three chapters by again laying the foundation. If you go back to Romans, the book of Romans, he explains the whole doctrine of of salvation. What is salvation? What have we been saved from? How have we been saved? What have we been saved to? And he starts off again in the first three chapters talking about starting with the spiritual blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. What are our rights and privileges? The honors that we have. And if you go back there, you see that he he starts it off by talking uh, about the fact that we have been chosen, that the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3 of chapter 1, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that he chose he chose us in him chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world for what to be holy and without blemish without blame before him that he has predestined us to what to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will in whom we have redemption through the blood of Christ the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence and so he goes on and talks about the the, the holy spirit and how we have been sealed uh, with the holy spirit of promise who's the guarantee of our inheritance the inheritance that we have waiting for us in in eternity in the future um, that that the holy spirit is given to us as a guarantee and then as we move into chapter 2 he goes back to the condition that we were in and he says we have were dead we have been made alive and paul is trying to impress upon uh, upon the reader that uh, that that you know it has nothing to do with us that we were dead that as those who were dead as dead bodies dead in our sins and trespasses we had no hope we could not do anything to make ourselves alive but god in his grace and his mercy he has quickened us he has made us alive in christ jesus and he he says you have been saved through uh, Uh, by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god and he has made us alive and created a new workmanship for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them who are we we are the redeemed of god who were we we were dead in our sins sins and trespasses and god how did we go from that state to the state that we are in today only by the grace of god only through the gift of uh, of new life in the in the sacrifice of our lord jesus christ and then he goes on to talk about the mystery of the church and the fact that we have been placed into this body called the church that we were not just saved just as individuals but rather we were saved as individuals to be placed into this body this mysterious body called the church which was in the mind of god from eternity past but he did not reveal he maintained it as a mystery but in these last times he has revealed it to us after the death of the lord jesus christ and he talks about the the church and he says how that um, that you know of the uh, if we go to chapter 3 and verse 9 to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in god who created all things through jesus christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of god might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our lord and we saw how that the god of creation the god of all power who did so many marvelous things that the way that he intends to show that he desires to show his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places is not through the beauty the majesty of his creation but rather through the majesty of his new creation that is the church that is through you and me to show the principalities and power how he can take a people who are who are who are without hope how he can take a people who are destined for destruction how he can take uh, a people who are nothing who deserve nothing and take them and put them in such uh, um, such a, a wonderful position to seat them in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus and he can point to them and say look look at the what my wisdom has wrought look at what my power has wrought that can take these people and make them into what they are today and that is the importance that the church has 
in the eyes of the Lord. And this is not just some, some organization that God has created, uh, you know, but he has a purpose behind it. He has a purpose. It was a mystery that was hidden and that has now been, been revealed. And then he goes to talk about our role in the church, how God wants this church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be built up. And he accomplishes that through the spiritual gifts that he has given us and by each person exercising his spiritual gifts. We go to chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. How we are to all work together, exercise the spiritual gifts that he has given us and work together to achieve the growth of the body. And so in those last three chapters of this book, he starts turning his attention to now that we know who we are, how should it be manifested in our walk? And he starts off in chapter 4 saying that I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called in all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. And we looked at all of these things that, that uh, you know, uh, that we are to walk worthy of our calling. And then he talks about the new man and how there is a battle inside of us that, that we are still in the flesh. The old man, the fleshly man is still there and he's battling for control over the new man, the spiritual man that is within us from the moment of salvation. And we talked about how it is a matter of who we feed. You know, what a man sows, that shall he reap. And as we look into our lives and we see this struggle, it is good that we have the struggle because it is a sign of the fact that we are in Christ. But we need to make sure that we are feeding the new man and starving the old man so that we may walk in holiness, so that we may have no part in immorality. And he talks to us about walking in the light and walking wisely. And then as we come into chapter 5 and 6, he talks about how the, the, the walk of the believer should manifest itself in our relationships with each other. How we are to humble ourselves. How we are to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And how it is to manifest itself in the relationships between wife and husband and parents and children and employers and employees. And we looked at this over several weeks in, in much detail. How we must, we must live the Spirit-filled life that when you are walking in the spirit this is what we see we see that you are speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in christ jesus that um, that we are singing and making melody in our heart that we have a joyful countenance that we are giving thanks always in all things in all circumstances because as it says in first thessalonians 5:18 in everything give thanks and then we are submitting to one another wives to husbands husbands loving their wives as christ loved the church Parents submitting in obedience to their children. I'm sorry, children submitting in obedience to parents and parents training their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to raise a next generation as a godly generation, as employees and employers, how we are to, to, to work as to the Lord as employees and not as to men, to please the Lord and not to men. And as employers of others, we are to treat them with, with respect, to give up threatening, knowing that our own master in heaven uh, that we have a master in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And so Paul has laid out very wonderfully this entire treatise on, on who we are, on how the, the, the fact of who we are ought to influence the way we live and the way we behave. And now he comes to the final section of this, uh, of this, this, uh, this majestic epistle 
and he ends with this with the section that starts this way in verse 10 of chapter 6 he says finally finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might these are his final instructions and paul here gets into a very practical aspect of the christian life where you know we look at all of these things you know we know the scriptures we know who we are we know how we ought to walk and yet when we look at our individual lives what do we see we find that we are struggling we find that we fall we find that it is a battle and that is what Paul wants to address in this final section of this epistle and he wants us to know that we are in a, in a struggle that we are in a struggle that involves opposition the reason that we face these problems is because it is not a, a, you know it is not just an easy journey but it is one that involves struggle it is one that involves a war a fight as we'll see in a minute it is one that involves an enemy who is um, working overtime to defeat us, who desires to defeat us, who desires to destroy the church of Christ. Why? Because you see, go back to Ephesians 3. It says that, that God is pointing to the church, to who? To the principalities and the powers. This is the demons and the, the, the evil angels. He's pointing to the church to say, look at them, look at my manifold wisdom. And therefore Satan is working overtime to destroy the people, to drag down the believers and to bring them down so that he can take away from the glory of God and bring glory to himself. And so Paul says, finally, my brethren. So we just been through a section where Paul is talking to specific people. He talks to the husbands, he talks to the wives, he talks to the parents, he talks to the children, he talks to the workers, he talks to the, the, uh, the employers. But now he says, finally, my brethren, he puts us all back together again and he gives instruction to, all, to everyone, to the entire church. And the instruction is this, he gives us four things, he says. He says, you are in a struggle and this is sort of a call to arms. He says, I want you to take this seriously. I want you to take this battle seriously. I want you to be prepared for this battle. It is not something that you need, that you, should, you ought to take lightly because if you do, you are going to fall and God is not going to be glorified in your life. And he gives us four things that we are going to look at today. We are not going to look at the details of the armor. We will look at that next time. But I want to just lay before us these four very simple things that the apostle has to say, say to us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So Paul uses the analogy of a battle. But the kind of battle that he's talking about here is not uh, a usual battle. It is, it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle that you and I as a believer have to fight every single day of our life. And he, he starts off with, with four, four truths or four things that we can get out of uh, this passage, verses 10 to 13. First of all, he says, uh, how are we to approach this battle? Sec first of all, he says, how are we to approach this battle? By being strong in the Lord. Be strong, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. What does he mean when he says, be strong in the Lord? Now, sometimes we use the, the phrase that, you know, that be strong by the help of the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about, uh, you know, appropriating the strength of the Lord. But he's telling us that we have to be strong in who we are in Christ. That we have to draw strength from our status in Christ. And this 
ties back to the entire thrust of the epistle where he starts off talking about who we are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You know, why is it important to know who you are in Christ? Very often when you look at the way we live our lives, you know, it's like we don't realize who we are. We don't realize that we have been redeemed. We don't realize that we have been uh, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We don't act. We don't talk. We don't uh, approach life as if, um, you know, we are the children of God, that we have this wonderful standing, that we have eternal life. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong <coughs> in the position that you have in Christ. Don't be strong in yourself. And he'll just give you one example. Very often, one of the, the struggles that Satan, one of the ways that Satan fights this battle with believers, especially young believers, sometimes even older believers, when they go through difficulties, is to come and, and make us question our salvation. He tries to point to things that are not right in our life and say, look, how can you say that you are a believer in Christ? How can you say <coughs> that you are saved? Look at the things that you do wrong. Look at the, the wrong thoughts that you have. But Paul says here, brethren, brothers and sisters, I want you to be strong in who you are in the Lord. Your strength is in Christ. Your strength is not in yourself. You cannot win this battle relying on, on just who, uh, in your own power. But you have to find out what has God done to you? What has God done in your life? What is your standing before Him in heaven? And then you need to bring your life in line with that standing. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse uh, 9 has the same thought there. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So we see here Paul saying that, you know, I am nobody. I am nobody. I am not worthy to be called an apostle. But I am what I am by the grace of God. We need to understand who we are by the grace of God. That's why the apostle says, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength in terms of who you are in the Lord. You know, cling to who you are in the Lord. You are a redeemed child of God. Out of all the billions of people, He reached down and He chose you before the foundation of the world to put you up in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus to give you the guarantee of eternal life. That is who you are. You are special. And therefore, you can be strong in the knowledge of who God has made you. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with in your life today. It doesn't matter what Satan is trying to tell you in your mind that you're failing and you're falling and you are not worthy. Yes, we are not worthy of ourselves, but what gives us our worth is what Christ has done for us. What gives us our worth is what God has done for us. The, the, the standing that He has given us, He has declared us righteous. You know, in Romans it tells, who can, let's turn to that passage, Romans chapter 8, who can bring a charge against the elect what then shall we say, verse 31, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The implication here is that nobody can. Who are we? You know, it says that God did not spare his own son. I am the one for whom 
God did not spare His own Son. I am the one for the, whom God has delivered His own Son for my sake. And yes, He will freely give me all things along with that. Who shall bring a charge? Nobody. Not Satan. Nobody can bring a charge against the elect of God. It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? Nobody can condemn us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, praise God for that. That is who we are. And he says, be strong in the Lord. When you are faced with that battle, when you are going through the battle uh, with the principalities and powers day in, day out, always go back to remind yourself of who you are. You are the redeemed. You are the righteous. God has declared you righteous. No one can condemn you. No one can, can, can destroy you. You are sealed forever by the Holy Spirit unto salvation. Be strong in the Lord. Secondly, he says, not only do you be strong in the Lord, but be strong in the power of His might. Be strong in the power of His might. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, you know, it goes back to that uh, passage there where he talks about the power that resurrected Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse... Um, verse 15 onwards. Uh, actually, let's just go down to verse... Uh, 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things in the church which is His body and the fullness of Him who fills all in all. He says, you know, be strong in the power of God's might. Be strong in the power of God's might. What is this power? You know, we know God is powerful, but the power He is referring to here is the power that raised Christ from the dead, and not only raised Christ from the dead, but has seated Christ at His right hand in the heavenly places, and not only seated Him right hand in the heavenly places, but uh, seated Him far above all principalities and powers, Okay, has given him this position and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church. He has given Christ to the church. He has seated him in the heavenly places. He has given him power and might and dominion and over every name that is named. So this is the power of the law of, of God that is at work in us. The same power that has raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. It is His power that helps us to overcome in this battle, not not our own power, not our own strength. Very often we fall because, you know, we, we are saved, we say we are saved, we understand we are saved through the power of God, but we try to live our lives in our own power by doing things, by trying to follow rules and regulations rather than relying on, the, on, on, on Christ to change us in the power of God. Be strong in the power of of his mind. Romans 8.37 says that in Christ we are more than conquerors. We are far more than conquerors and we can win this battle. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the second point. The third point that Paul wants to bring before us is that we need to know our enemy and how he operates. We need to know our enemy. This is not an easy battle. This is not a simple battle. This is not a battle that we can take lightly. You know, very often we as believers don't even realize that we are in a battle. We don't understand who 
we are fighting against. Who is our, our adversary here? Our adversary, he says in verse 2, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the sage. Who is it that we battle? And why is he battling us? We battle none other than our enemy, the devil. Um, if we go back to Ezekiel 28.11, you know, very often, I don't know how much uh, many of you have, have studied uh, about the devil and who he is. Okay, the devil is actually, was one of the created beings of, uh, of God. He was created in heaven. If we go to uh, Ezekiel 28 and verse 11, it says, so this is speaking as if he's talking about the king of Tyre, but he's really referring to Lucifer. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the, now listen to this, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day You were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you on the, uh, established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Satan was a created being. He was created to lead the worship in heaven. We read about his timbrels and his pipes. He was created as the top creature in all of all of creation. He was created with wisdom. He says, you are full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He is not an ordinary foe. He is not someone that we can take lightly. Yes, he is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He can be defeated. But nevertheless, he is a powerful foe. And why does he want to defeat us? Again, it goes back to Ephesians 3. And the fact that the church, he understands what God is doing through the church. He understands that God is redeeming a people and making them his own and, and shaping them in the image of Christ and, and that, the, that, that they, they are going to be the, the reason for the ultimate defeat of Satan. And so he has been trying since time immemorial. You go back to the Old Testament, you see how Satan has been trying from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden to, to thwart the plan of God. He went and tempted the woman. He, uh, uh, he caused uh, Cain to kill Abel because Abel was the one through whom the seed was going to come. But God worked way, his way around that. He tried to kill the children of Egypt, the, the children of Israel in Egypt, all the, all the newborns so that the line of the Messiah would be cut off. He tried to tempt the children of Israel and take them away. But God preserved a remnant there. He tried to pollute the line of David. He did so many things throughout history so that the Redeemer would never come. But all of that was defeated. And today the plan of God continues on in the shape of the church. And therefore he is bent on attacking the church and destroying the church and pulling down the members of the church. And that is why we have so many problems in the church because we are not, we do not understand the battle that we are in and how we ought to take this seriously. He is a serious enemy. He talks about how he attacks. We need to know who our enemy is and how he attacks. He says, uh, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there simply means the schemes of the devil. The schemes, the tricks 
the craftiness, the deception, the, the, the fraud that the devil meets out. He uses, you know, it tells us uh, in, uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We want to understand his methods. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 13, talking about Satan here, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. He's talking about people who come in and, and, and cause uh, disruption in the church, uh, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, no wonder, no wonder what? For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if, he, if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. He says Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He doesn't come to us. You know we have this in common culture, popular culture. We think the devil is a guy with the, with the horns and the pitchfork. Okay? Devil doesn't come to you like that because if somebody came to you like that you would... You would freak out and, and run away. Okay? He comes as the angel of light. He tempts us by things that he knows he can make us fall. Things that, that, that appeal to our flesh. You know, go back to the, the battle between the old man, the old nature and the new, uh, the fleshly nature and the spiritual nature. And how the things that we feed ourselves, you know, when we feed ourselves the things of the world and our flesh is growing, he can then come and attack us as the angel of light, the wiles of the devil. He makes something look one way when it really is something else. He, he comes with false doctrines. You know, he has used uh, heresies throughout the church from the very first of the church. You can find just a few years after the apostles, heresies coming into the church and continuing on today to take us away from the, the true doctrine uh, of the scriptures. He uses distractions to get us caught up in other things. He creates counterfeits to neutralize us. You know, today we look at Christendom and we find that we want to be like the world. We want to have our own popular idols. We want to have, uh, you know, our own version, our Christianized version of whatever the world has because we find comfort in those things and so, but we want to sanitize it a little bit. Right? Those are the counterfeits that Satan brings into our lives to, to defeat us on the field of battle. Next point we see, is that is what kind of battle is it? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It is not a battle. Flesh and blood here means simply uh, it is not a battle against another human being. Okay, you and I are not battling against another human being. Maybe, maybe then it wouldn't be so tough. But our adversary is a formidable foe. He is not our equal. He was a special created angel in heaven, created with all wisdom and wonder and capability and skill. He is far more powerful than we are. And what kind of battle is it? He says, we do not wrestle. It's a wrestling match. Okay, it's not like, it's not like a contest, you know, where you're playing uh, football or something, you know, where you're just doing something and you're trying to score. This is, this is a wrestling match. You know what a wrestling match is? How does a wrestling match end? How does a wrestling match end? When you put the other person down and he can't get up again. This is hand-to-hand combat. This is daily hand-to-hand combat, you know, in every temptation, every decision we make, it is a battle between us and the principalities and powers of the devil arrayed against us. We wrestle with flesh and blood. Uh, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. It's a hand-to-hand contest, and only total victory will end it. It's not a contest. It is not a game. It is not a game where you keep score, and if you're doing a little better, uh, you know, therefore you've won the battle. No. It's hand-to-hand combat. And who is it that we are battling against? Principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
You know, it's speaking of the fact that Satan is not alone. You know, Satan has a uh, has a host, an organized host of cohorts who work with him. This is this is all in scripture. You know, he has the demons who work with him. And his chief objective is to make us as Christians ineffective and get us off our game, get us off our message, to make our lives to fall so that we are not effective. And he has defeated from time to time so many saints of God. You look at, you look at the life of Abraham and how many sins he did. You know, Abraham went to Pharaoh there and he lied. You know, Abraham, uh, we look at the life of, uh, of David, we look at the life of Elijah, we look at the life of Peter, how they had to battle and how often they fell. Our victory over Satan is through the power of God, not on our own. We cannot outsmart him. You know, if you try to think that, that we can be smarter than him, he is far more smarter than us. We have to rely on the, the, on the strength of the Lord, on our strength of who we are in Christ and in the power of the might of God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against a ruler of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness. Let me tell you, uh, fellow believers, that you know, I don't know what struggle you're going through in our life, but you know, if we don't take it seriously, if we don't understand the battle that we are in, if we think that it's just, you know, we can just live any way we want, it doesn't really matter. We need to understand the stakes here. You know, we are put into the church to show forth the glory of God. God wants to look at us and point to His His manifold wisdom. And when, when, when we do not take that seriously, when we do not understand the battle we are in, when we do not understand that it's hand-to-hand combat with the devil, that all of those failures we have in our day-to-day life are, are, uh, you know, are really a result of, 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 of defeats in this battle with him, when we do not take it seriously, then we are not going to progress, we are not going to mature in our lives, we are not going to be able to live lives that are pleasing to God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. These are hosts of wickedness. They will throw all kinds of wickedness at us. They control the world system. You cannot, you cannot do anything today without being exposed to, to, to attractive wickedness, things that take your mind away. Whether it's movies, whether it's a TV, whether it's billboards, whether it's the talk, whether it's the society and the direction that society is, is going in far away from the truths of the word of God, whether it's the, 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 the relativistic ethics and the morals of people, whether it's the standard by which right and wrong is measured, this is the, the battlefield that we fight in and it is a battle that we need to take seriously. But praise God, he has given us something to to succeed in this battle. And that's where he says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is a battle where we need to fight and stand and remain standing. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He wants us to do all that can be done. He wants us to use everything that is at our, at our disposal. This is a spiritual battle. These are not physical weapons. As you'll see here, what are the, what is the, the armor? It is the, you know, the, 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 uh, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the, the gospel of peace and, and so on and so forth and, and all prayer and the helmet of salvation. We'll look at what those mean next time, but, but he's given us this armor and he says, put on the whole armor of God. And he pictures that, that Roman soldier. You know, today, unfortunately, we have a very different view of battle. You know, we think uh, here today battle is done 
you know, you can control the battle from, from far, far away. You know, thousands of miles away, you can control where the drones are going and where the planes are going and pinpoint exactly where the bombs are going to fall and make sure that, you know, uh, the wrong people don't get hit. But he's talking here about hand-to-hand combat where you're fighting with swords, you know, right next to each other, hand-to-hand uh, wrestle, wrestling combat here. The armor used for both protection as well as attacking. And God has provided this whole spiritual armor. God has provided us uh, the entire battle armor that we need and it will allow us to withstand the attacks of the devil and to fight and as we fight to remain standing. He says in the evil day and having done all to stand but we need to do all. We need to understand who we are. We need to rely on the power of the might of God. We need to put on the whole armor. We need to understand who we are fighting. We need to use the the weapon of prayer. You know, when you look at the armor, we'll find that everything is is enveloped in this concept of prayer, this this weapon of, of prayer, this armor of prayer that we use to protect ourselves. And yet these are the very disciplines that we as believers do not take seriously. And that is why we fail in this battle. That is why, you know, Satan is able to push us down. That is why he's able to defeat us time and again. And then we start doubting. And when we start doubting, then we forget who we are in the Lord and we are no longer strong in the Lord and we keep falling and falling and falling. But if we understand who we are, if we understand the armor that we have, if we understand the strength of the Lord that that is available to us, then we can remain standing. And that is what, you know, the Lord... Uh, the Apostle Paul wanted to tell the Ephesian believers, he says, I've told you all these things, I've told you who you are, I've told you how you need to live, but let me come to one final thing, that you are in a battle. Do not lose sight of the fact that you are in a battle. It is a difficult battle. It is a daily battle. It is a moment by moment battle. It is a battle against a formidable enemy who you cannot defeat by your own strength, by your own wisdom, by your own, uh, uh, you know, by your own smartness. You can only win this battle. You can only remain standing at the end of this battle if you put on the whole armor of God. We're all engaged in a battle. Do we understand this? Do we realize this? Are we prepared for this battle? Are we daily preparing ourselves by putting on the whole armor of God? How are we doing in the battle? Let's step back and take a look. How are we fighting this battle? What resources are we using to fight this battle? And if you find that you're continuing to fail and fall in this battle, that means... You're not doing it right. You're not fighting it right. Your strategy is not right. Or maybe, you know, you're in the position where you've given up the fight. Where you think it's no longer worth it. The Apostle Paul closes here with this language. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We need to rely on who we are and on the power of God. We need to put on the full armor of God so that we might remain standing. And as we go through the remaining verses, we'll look at understanding what is this full armor and how can we Put it on in our lives so that we may fight the devil. But, you know, before we can get into how we are to fight, we need to first realize the, the, uh, the enormity of the battle that we fight each day. We need to understand who it is that we are fighting. That it is a powerful enemy. And he wants nothing more than to defeat each of us. He, need, he wants nothing more than to, than to bring down the church. He wants nothing more than to cause disunity and lack of love and, and unchristlike behavior within the church. And oh, how often he succeeds. We just have to look around us. But if each believer takes these words to, to heart and understands the battle that we are in, if they use the resources that God himself has given, if they are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you know, each one of us fighting 
and, and remaining standing will make the church stronger and will defeat that enemy. May God enable us to understand our situation and help us to do what is needed to fight this battle in the way that God wants us to fight. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word, Father, always um, goes to exactly where we are, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us this wonderful book, Father, your word, your instruction manual, Lord, that relates to every situation that we have in our life today. Lord, we desire, Father, to live life that is pleasing to you. We desire, Father, to walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. Yes, Lord, we even understand our calling. And yet, Lord, we know that we also, you know, Lord, that we face this enemy as we've been warned in Scripture. A deceitful enemy, a scheming enemy, a tricking enemy who wants nothing better than to make your children ineffective, than to take their minds and their focus away from what they ought to do, Father, and tempt them towards the world. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to see and, and critically examine where we are in these little battles in our life, Lord. Lord, whatever it is that each person here is battling today, we know, Father, that you know what it is. I pray, Lord, that each one would go back, whether it's a battle against self-esteem, whether it's a battle against sensuality, whether it's a battle against pornography, whether it's a battle against lack of spiritual interest or lethargy, Lord, spiritual lethargy, whether it's a battle dealing with money, Lord, and, and possessions, whether it's a battle against worldliness, Lord, and worldly goals and worldly desires, Lord, whatever that battle is, Father, I ask, Lord, that you will help us to identify that that you will help us to recognize, Lord, to examine how we are doing, to look at whether we are really even even interested in fighting that battle, Lord, perhaps because we don't understand who we are. Perhaps we don't understand, because we don't understand the seriousness of this battle. Perhaps we don't understand our duty, Lord, as those who have been loved with an everlasting love, To build ourselves up, Lord, through this, through your strength. Perhaps because we have quenching the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. Lord, I pray that you will help us to examine ourselves and to see where we stand, Lord. Are we standing? Are we falling? Are we fighting and remaining standing, Lord? Or are we falling day by day? I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be the source of our strength. I pray that your word would be our guide, that we may return to your word, that we may have a love for your word, studying the word, Lord, of applying it in every area of our life, and not relying on our own wisdom, for we know, Lord, that our own wisdom will not defeat this enemy, for he is far wiser than us. We need, Father, the wisdom of God. Help us minister your wisdom to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do our part, to exercise our gifts, to edify the church, Lord, so that we may each grow, so that we may be strong in this battle, Lord, in this warfare, in this hand-to-hand combat as we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, Lord, the spiritual hosts of wickedness. Work in us, Father, so that we may be victorious in this daily battle. We ask all these things 
in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.